The reading today is from Judges chapter 4, verses 1 to 24, and it's on page 245 of the Blue Bible. Page 245. Deborah. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harosheth Hagoim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lepidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Sebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the river Kishon, and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, where there Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. Now Heba the Kenite had left the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, Moses' brother-in-law, and pitched his tent by the great tree in Zananim near Kadesh. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera summoned from Harosheth Hagaim to the river Kishon all his men and his 900 chariots fitted with iron. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harosheth Hagoim, and all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazor, and, and the family of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her, if someone comes and asks you, is anyone in there, say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. 
Just then Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Jael went up to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there lay Sisera with the ten peg through his temple, dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. This is God's word. Good evening. Shamla, thank you so much for reading that passage for us. Uh, it's not an easy passage to read. There's some real tongue twisters there in terms of names. Hagarishet, Hagayim. Um, apart from Deborah, the names are pretty unfamiliar. Let me, um, let me lead us in, in prayer before we begin. Father, we thank you so much for your word and that you speak to us through it. Uh, help us this evening. We pray your spirit would help me as I proclaim your word. Help me to speak clearly and help me to pro yeah, proclaim your word plainly. And Father, we pray that your, your spirit would help us as we listen. Um, help us plant your word down deep in our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We love a good hero story, don't we? We love a good hero story. Just look at the most successful movies at the box office, and you quickly realize how fascinated we are with the gripping hero epic. In the top 10 highest grossing movies of all time, you have Avatar, Avengers Endgame, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Avengers Infinity War, Avatar The Way of Water, Spider-Man No Way Home, and the original Avengers. We just cannot get enough of a good hero story. And we don't only seek after heroes in, in the movies we watch, we also seek after them in the books we read or in the sports we follow. There's a reason that the Harry Potter books are so popular. And there's a reason that the most followed person on Instagram is a sports star. We love heroes. In our passage today, we find Israel longing for a hero, but not, not of the fictional kind. She needs a real hero, one who can rescue her from the desperate situation that she's in. And it's a scene that is sadly all too familiar in the book of Judges. As we, as we read the opening verses, see if they're if they ring any bells based on, on what we've seen in previous weeks. Have a look at me at verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harasheth, Hagoyim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. It's a familiar picture, isn't it? Israel sins against God by worshiping foreign idols, then is judged by God, and then cries out to God for help. Here she is again 
in need of a hero because of her sin. Now, how might we expect God to respond to her cry? We've already seen God bail Israel out twice in Judges, haven't we? Just look back at chapter 3, verse 9. But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer. Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. And still in chapter 3, have a look down at verse 15. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer. Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera, the Benjaminite. What did the Lord do whenever Israel cried out? He provided a deliverer, didn't he? The question is, will he do it again? I mean, shouldn't Israel have learned her lesson by now? Although God righteously judges Israel for her sin, in his mercy, he also listens to her cries for help. But here's something I want us to notice. The way God responds to Israel on this occasion is not identical to what we saw in chapter 3. We might expect God to to respond to their cry here in the same way that he did then. So here's how we might expect the end of chapter 4, verse 3 to read. They cried to the Lord for help, and he gave them a deliverer. That's, That's how the formula, if we can call it that, went in chapter 3. But that's... That's not what it says in chapter 4, is it? Instead, after we read that they cry to the Lord for help, it says, Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. That's slightly odd. Why, Why isn't this following the same pattern that we saw earlier? Is this difference just incidental? I don't think so. I think think it's intended to leave us scratching our heads, wondering, why why doesn't it say that the Lord raised up a deliverer? Maybe, maybe we should just assume that Deborah is a deliverer. She's the one who's who's immediately mentioned after Israel's cry for help, right? Can't we, can't we just deduce that that is her role? I don't think so. She's certainly the judge. It says that she was leading Israel at that time. But there's nothing mentioned about her being a deliverer. For the first time in Judges, we have the role of judge and the role of deliverer belonging to separate individuals. So in chapter 3, whoever was the judge was also the deliverer. But that's not the case here in chapter 4. Now, now why do I point that out? I think this is a sign that things are slowly starting to spiral downwards. 
They haven't spiraled out of control just yet, but they're slowly starting to spiral downwards. There isn't anyone available, there isn't anyone around who is capable of being both judge and deliverer. So we found the judge, Deborah, but who is the deliverer? Israel doesn't only need a judge, she also needs a deliverer. She's being oppressed by the Canaanites. Look at me at verse 6. She, Deborah, sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the river Kishon, and give him into your hands. Who is Israel's deliverer? It's Barak, isn't it? But just as we, just as we begin to feel hopeful that a deliverer has been found, something unexpected happens. Have a look at verse 8. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. I wonder what you make of Barak's words. So commentators are divided as to whether his, his response is positive or negative. On the one hand, you could argue that it's positive because Deborah is a prophet. She is God's spokesperson or mouthpiece, if you will. So desiring to have Deborah at his side well, that signals just how important it is for Barak to hear from the Lord. On the other hand, you could argue that it's negative because of what Deborah says to him in response. So look at verse 9. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you're taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. What do we make of Deborah's response? She seems disappointed with Barak, doesn't she? Off the back of his remarks, she tells him that he will not ultimately be the hero. He's going to be upstaged and by a woman. Now, that might not sound like a big deal to us today, but in a patriarchal culture, to find out that a woman was going to get the glory on the battlefield instead of you, that would have been a major blow to your, your honor or your respect in that patriarchal world, it would have been embarrassing for the so-called deliverer to be overshadowed by a woman. Because Deborah responds the way she does to Barak's comments, I don't think that we, can, that we should interpret what he says in verse 8 positively. You see, Barak is, is tentative. 
He's a hesitant deliverer. Deborah, she gave him God's word saying that the Lord would lead Sisera into his hands. And instead of obeying and going ahead, what does he do? He says, no, if you're not coming, I'm not going. God's word wasn't enough for him. So we, we found the deliverer, but worryingly, he's reluctant. He's a hesitant deliverer. So we're left wondering, how is this, this rescue actually going to get off the ground? Thankfully, Deborah is courageous enough to, to join him. And, and Barak subsequently heads off to round up 10,000 men from the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali to go into battle. But notice what awaits them. Verse 12. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinom, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera summoned from Harasheth Hagoyim to the river Kishon all his men and his 900 chariots fitted with iron. The odds are stacked against Israel. Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, has a huge advantage. Barak, he's only going into this battle with, with infantry. That's all he has at his disposal. While Sisera, he has 900 chariots fitted with iron. This is cutting-edge technology for the time. This is Canaan's version of Leopard 2 tanks. Let's read on. Verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go. This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as, as, far as Harasheth, Hagoyim, and all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. The Israelites went into this battle as massive underdogs, led by a hesitant deliverer. Yet remarkably, they are victorious. They've absolutely crushed their enemies. Credit to Barak, right? Not quite. Who does the passage say defeated Sisera's troops? The Lord. Verse 15 says, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army. Friends, Israel went into this battle with a hesitant deliverer. But now we see who the real deliverer is. It's the Lord. The real hero is the Lord. God's people needed a deliverer who could be relied upon. One who could overcome even the greatest and most powerful 
of foes. That deliverer is the Lord. You see, the, the hero of our story, it's not Barak. It's the Lord. He's the true deliverer. That is what God's people need to know. Even when it looks like it's Barak or, or any other human being is accomplishing victory or rescue, the one who is actually achieving it is God. It always is. Now, this is a point we're going to see emphasized even further as we read on. But before we do, I want us to take a brief detour into Hebrews chapter 11 because it mentions Barak. So keep a finger in our passage and turn to Hebrews 11. It's on page uh, 1,210. Page 1210. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Hebrews 11. Starting at verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Folks, how surprising is it to see Barak's name in this list? He's a, he's a hesitant deliverer. Yet incredibly, we find him in the faith hall of fame. How would you describe Barak's faith? It's anything but perfect, isn't it? His faith is flawed. Yet here he is, commended for his faith. Do you ever worry that your faith feels or seems weak? Do you ever look at other Christians and think, oh, I wish I had their faith? Do you ever look at people in the Bible and think, oh, gosh, I wish I had their faith? Barak had an imperfect faith, just like, just like you and I do. Yet it was sufficient. Jesus said that all we need is faith the size of a mustard seed. Friends, the object of our faith, Jesus is far more important than the quantity of our faith. Barak was commended for his faith. And if we're trusting in Jesus, then we will be commended for ours too. Just as Barak's imperfect faith resulted in salvation, so too will ours. Friends, be reassured it's the object of your faith, Christ, not the quantity of your faith that saves. Right, that's enough of Hebrews. Let's get back onto our Judges track. So please turn back to Judges 
4. So we've seen how God used a hesitant deliverer to bring about victory over Israel's enemies. And we've seen how the Lord is the true deliverer. He is the one who is ultimately responsible for routing Sisera's army. But although Sisera's army was thrashed, Sisera somehow manages to get away. Let's read from verse 17. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. Sisera finds his way into the house of an ally where he takes refuge. And he couldn't have received a warmer welcome. Once he's invited to stay, uh, when he tells his host, Jael, that he's thirsty and would like some water, she goes on better and gives him milk. And then not only does she go on to offer him a blanket, she even tucks him into bed. In many ways, Jael is behaving like a mother to Sisera. So Sisera, he probably, he probably thinks he's, he's secure and that he can safely nod off. But just before he does, he asks Jael to, to keep watch at the door in case anyone should come looking for him. And you can imagine her reassuring him, don't worry, Sisera, it's okay, I'm not going to let anyone in, I'm not going to tell anyone that you're here, okay? Just go to sleep, don't worry, you're safe. Sisera then goes to sleep. Jael has welcomed him in, she's, she's given him milk, she's tucked him into bed, and then verse 21. But Jael, Heber's, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground. And in case there's any doubt, he died. Jael, Jael is ruthless, isn't she? Now, before you begin to feel sorry for Sisera, as we'll see in next week's passage, Sisera was quite the piece of work. He and his troops were, were notorious for kidnapping and raping women. By the way, Sisera, he's pro- he probably wasn't even a Canaanite. His name is not a Canaanite name. Now, why, why is that relevant? If he wasn't a Canaanite, it means most likely he was a mercenary, fighting for whoever could cough up the most money. He's probably today's equivalent of a leader or a member of the Wagner Group fighting against the Ukrainians. Jail has just saved Israel from a horrible, evil man. And what she did required tremendous courage. 
Imagine if Sisera had woken up and caught her trying to kill him. Jael shows so much bravery. She's, she's a bold deliverer. She was used by God to bring an end to the, to the reign of terror and fear that Sisera had instilled over God's people. When Barak arrives at the scene and, and finds Sisera dead, he's probably reminded of Deborah's prophecy. The honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. The hesitant deliverer is standing next to the bold deliverer. Now, you'd think that this would be a good place to, to end the story. But the author, the author wants us to remember one key aspect of all these events in case it hasn't been clear enough already. Look with me at verse 23. On that day, God, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. Folks, throughout the whole story, we've seen God orchestrate Israel's salvation. He's, he's the real deliverer. In, in verse 11, there's a seemingly random note about Heber the Kenite having moved away from the other Kenites to a place near Kadesh. Why do we need to know that? Who cares? It's because of that move that Heber's wife, Jael, would then be at the right place at the right time to defeat Sisera. You see, God is orchestrating salvation like a masterful conductor. That's the big point of our passage. And it's beautiful. We need to be encouraged by it. God is orchestrating our salvation. He's putting things into place so that we will be saved. But there's another encouragement in these verses for, for us. God will use whomever he wills to bring about his people's salvation. You see, in a culture that was far more patriarchal than our own, the fact that God used two women, Deborah and Jael, to bring about the defeat of Sisera and Jabin, that couldn't have gone unnoticed. God used women back then to bring about salvation. And he does so today as well. Women have a key role to play in advancing God's kingdom, in, in pushing back the forces of darkness and evil. Now, today, it might not be through a literal hammer and tent peg, but through another weapon, a metaphorical one, a sharp two-edged sword, which is God's word. Although men and women might not have exactly identical roles to play as they serve in the church, as we see in the New Testament, they do have equally important roles to play. 
I was thinking just earlier about you know, the ministries that happen in our church. And how, how so many of them, so much of what we do as a church happens because women are serving and doing ministry. I can't even picture or imagine ministry in our church without women taking initiative and serving. Like it's hard to fathom it. We could do so much less ministry than what we do. Praise God for the women he has used and continues to use in his mission to rescue his people. If you're a woman, please don't ever underestimate how God might use you. His desire is to save people. He's, he's a deliverer. Therefore, he wants to use you in his mission. How might God be able to use you to bring about salvation to others? That's a question well worth pondering. Maybe even discussing after the sermon tonight. God can use you whether you're a man or a woman. He will use whoever is available and willing to serve him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are such a mighty Savior and that you are pulling the strings behind the scenes in order to accomplish our salvation. Thank you so much for how you rescue us in, through Jesus. Father, we thank you that you are a real deliverer, a real hero that we can rely upon. We pray that you would strengthen us to, to be like um, Deborah and Jael and, and to, to be bold so that others might come to know Jesus too. And Father, we thank you so much that um, we're saved not by the strength of our faith, but by the object of our faith, who is your Son. Thank you so much for how you are orchestrating our salvation. We give you great praise and thanks. Amen.